0: So then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. One sang the sixth angel who had the trumpet. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, day, and the month and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. The number of the armies of the horse was 200 million. I heard the number of them. So uh, here we see that there are four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. No uh, unfallen angels are ever spoken of as bound. So we can assume these four angels, which are bound in the Euphrates, are fallen angels, demonic spirits. And they've been uh, bound there in preparation for this very time. Uh, Some believe that this hour, day, month, and year refers to the expanse of time that they will uh, be here, which is almost 400 days. That's not the cleanest reading of the Greek. It's more likely that John is being overly emphatic that this exact moment was prepared uh, since the beginning of time here. Uh, so this golden altar, uh, this judgment is announced from four horns on the altar. This golden altar we saw in Revelation 8, we also saw it back in uh, Revelation 6, that the golden altar is the altar of incense, which is inside the throne room before the throne of God. The incense we identified as the work of Christ, the sacrifice, um, as well as, uh, as his work on earth. And it is mixed with the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints are usually imprecatory prayers, which means uh, that they are prayers calling for justice on those who have uh, hurt them or harmed them. We uh, have it written to us in scripture that vengeance is unto the Lord, that uh, we don't take it into our own hands, but that we wait uh, this time in future history where Jesus Christ will take care of itself. So these prayers are made perfect by the mixing of the incense of Christ with them, and they are uh, offered up by the angel, uh, and they become a sweet-smelling uh, sweet aroma God. And then, uh, so we see this, these prayers of the saints, prayers of the martyrs, uh, being particularly aligned with this sixth trumpet that uh, it's just a reminder for us that these judgments coming against uh against mankind in a just manner that it is the punishment for their unbelief and their uh, their centuries or millennia old war against the people of god you know we can look all the way back to genesis 3:15 where we see the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman will be in constant conflict this is a polemic against the seed of the serpent. Uh, so this term 200 million, uh, some want to view this as non-literal, uh, some really like the literal, uh, the literal view of this. I do think it's a literal 200 million, but the reason some people think um, it might be Non-literal is because in Revelation 5:11 we see a very similar construction uh, in the Greek language, where we see myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands used to uh, basically say that the number of angels in heaven was innumerable. There wasn't really, uh, or uh, how to say that. Essentially, there's there is, uh this is taken in Revelation 5.11, be figurative language, um, based on the way John says 10,000 by 10,000 and 1,000 by 1,000. It's probably figurative to say uh, there were so many he couldn't count it. The reason uh, we don't see that here in Revelation 9.16 is because he's very specific that he heard the number. I think he's aware of his use of this um, similar instruction earlier in his letter. So he is affirming that this is actual literal uh, number here. So I do think it will be a literal 200 million, these, uh, these creatures which uh, arrive in the sixth trumpet. We can also identify the sixth trumpet as butting up against the midpoint of the tribulation. At this point, uh, the Antichrist is present on the earth he is active on earth. We saw from the very first sealed judgment that his activity is bigging on the earth, but he might not yet be identified. It's probable that it's an antichrist group that's uh, a government organization or whatnot that is promising peace. The antichrist will be the center of that movement, but he might not be clearly identified. But at the midpoint of the tribulation, he be very clearly identified. Um, so he is present and looking through these first three and a half years of the tribulation, but it's after this judgment where he becomes the world ruler um, as a monarch rather than part of a government coalition. So in Daniel 12.1, we see that now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. This is a verse which spans the three and a half years left to come, that it is going to be a particular uh, time of distress for the Jewish nation. That's what we're looking at in the second half of the tribulation. In Matthew 24, the words of Christ say, uh, for them, there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, being Israel in this use, those days will be cut short. Uh, so it is... Um, uh, in this... Sixth trumpet judgment, we see that one-third of mankind will be slayed during this singular judgment. Back in Revelation 6-8, at the fourth seal, we saw that one-fourth of the earth was killed. Uh, Now, this is by no means taking into account all of the death that happened from the first to the third seal, or from the fifth seal until the fifth uh, trumpet. These are just for these two judgments, that in just these two judgments, half of the entire population at the time of the rapture, uh, or from the time of the rapture forward, uh, will uh, die from these two judgments. So we can see down here that at the time of the fourth seal, that was one-fourth of the population. During that one-fourth, we've got three-fourths left. So one third of that is down to half of the Earth's population. This is not including the martyrs that we saw in the fifth seal. It's not including the war or famine from second and third uh, seals. It's not including the sixth seal earthquake, and it's not including the first four trumpets. But remember, there were no deaths during the fifth trump. That was purely torture, no death. So all of those that's. Uh, are not included these uh, fractions. Now it's it's very uh, interesting that the activity of Satan on the Earth will come in correlation with such uh, decrease in the world's population, even though it will come from the throne room and not from Satan, because Satan has been working in the culture to. Uh, to reduce world population. Uh, one of the clear examples of this, besides things like abortion, um, come from the Georgia Guidestones. The purpose behind the Georgia Guidestones is some sort of monument that would be left after an apocalyptic event. Uh, assuming that man causes himself to go nearly extinct, these are guidelines for recovering the earth and doing it the right way. The very first guideline of these stones in Georgia says, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Now that's the number often tossed around by uh, climate scientists who say that this is is how low the world population needs to go in order um, not to cause global warming. This is not a lot more than population of America alone it's about a third of the population of China or India. Uh, so it's a very low number. Uh, of course, we, we can always say that if they think we should get down to this low, they can offer to go first. Uh, this, it's getting quite near the number that we will see uh, remaining at the end of the tribulation. So I, I find it more than symphonic, uh, But just for the sake of um, interest, we'll read the other nine of these. Number two says, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Now, this is advocating eugenics uh, with selective abortions. Unite, or and probably castrating people who they deem unfit or unworthy for reproduction. Unite humanity with a living new language. We can uh, look back on Genesis 11 and see why that goes against God's word. Rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Keep in mind the imperative rule here, that faith ought to be ruled. Uh, Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. That's a one world government. All nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws laws and useless officials. Uh, Perhaps cops would be part of that. Balance personal rights with social duties prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite, uh, probably something to do with the new age or even shamanism there, and be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature, leave room for nature, remember uh, God's command to us back in Genesis 127, uh, God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them, And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so God saw that all, God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And this was reconfirmed to Noah coming off the boat after the flood into the new world. and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky. With everything that creeps on the ground and all fish of the sea, into your hand they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. Man was put on this earth in order to rule over the earth. God has put him... Uh, in a position that we call a theocratic administrator, that we are to rule the earth on God's behalf. We are not to subject ourselves to the creation which God has put us over. This goes against his creation mandate. All right, back into Revelation uh, Revelation nine seventeen through 19. And this is how I saw vision, uh, the horse and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates the color of fire and hyacinth and of brimstone, that's red, dark blue, and yellow, and the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which proceeded out of their mouths. The power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. So one of the most common views is that this refers to the armies of the east in Revelation 16. This view usually um, coincides with those who are looking at the three sets of judgments as one set of judgments restated three times, Uh, but we see it doesn't fit uh, the scripture in chapter 16. Chapter 16 says the sixth angel put out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings of the east. These kings of the east are a rebellious set of nations that come against the Antichrist during Armageddon. this is not the same as the uh, as these creatures which come out of the Euphrates. Um, there is essentially nothing similar between these two passages other than the location of Euphrates uh, so uh, usually that's theologically charged rather than uh, inductively understood. Uh, another very common view is. Again, that this is modern warfare machinery. Uh, They'll correlate these with tanks because tanks have a long barrel that shoots fire or brimstone or smoke or whatever. This is not a good reading of the text, again, because its origin is placed on man rather than on God. And this is a specific judgment from God. uh, And these are not adequately... uh, the modern technology does not adequately uh, represent what is described here in this verse. We have to make quite a stretch, even using the figurative language, to get to something like tanks. Um, and also the doctrine of imminency, where this these uh, machines were not uh, here back in even the 18th or 17th century, so that it would have made it impossible for Christ to return at that time. Uh, and that is not uh, what the New Testament reveals to us about the return of Christ. Another possibility is that this is simply a human-led cavalry uh, where some army, which is not told to us elsewhere in scripture, uh, is part of this, uh, this sixth uh, trumpet judgment. Problems here would be that we wouldn't need similes uh, in the figurative language or in the language to describe something that John has probably seen before, probably seen an actual cavalry with mankind, uh, goes to great length to give us descriptive uh, metaphoric language. Uh, So it it would be against the reading to read uh, to read those similes out of the text uh, rather than keeping them in. Uh, So that's most likely not, um, just a simple cavalry. These will be some sort of demonic army again. Uh, so just see what I write here. The demonic realm lying primarily beyond our modern comprehension is more than capable of producing this beasts here described. Moreover, it fits the context of divine judgment and textual issue of figurative language. Uh, so that is to say that John used figurative language because what he saw was indescribable. he was doing his very best to describe what he was seeing, though he was not familiar with what he saw. Uh, And this judgment has its source in heaven, where it's probably using the demonic armies of the fallen angels, um, just simply releasing them to do their their will against mankind. And in so doing, uh, they do God's will. These creatures are not unknown to mankind, uh, the Chinese call them dragons, other places probably call them griffins or something like it. That seems to fit our context uh, here, uh, where they're they're just simply fallen angels, demons, which the earth has tried to make sense of and in so doing has created lore uh, that today is dismissed as fairy tales. Uh, and that's one tool Satan has used uh, to make us disbelieve scripture. Uh, now, we, we do see that prior to the flood, other creatures were, uh, were here on Earth. Joe talks about the behemoth and the, the, the Leviathan. Uh, I think I saw a scientific paper recently where they think only 1% of fossilized uh, creatures have actually been discovered. Now, we, we, we look at fossils and we see the worldwide flood of Noah, that the creatures of Earth were buried during that time. So, there's no telling what kind of creatures were present on Earth prior to the flood, only that uh, one creature from each probably genome or subsect of creatures was present on Noah's ark. So, here's when we read back to Genesis 3, we see the serpent, which was Satan we learned from Revelation, Uh, we see that his description doesn't really fit that of serpent today but he's actually put it in the category of a beast of the field. So it says now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And later in Genesis 3:14, the Lord God said to the serpent, "Because you have done this, cursed are you more than the more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life." So for this, on, the bell- on your belly, you will go, used as a curse. We deduce that um, these serpents probably had legs before, uh, but also its comparison with cattle and beasts of the field gives us the idea that it was much bigger, perhaps even used uh, in some sort of farming uh, beforehand, so that something like a dragon, but uh, a little more tameable than the myths. Uh, may have been what was represented by Satan uh, back in Genesis. We also see that this punishment on the serpent is continued even into the millennial kingdom. Uh, Isaiah 65 tells us some of the characteristics of that kingdom, saying the wolf and lamb will graze together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. So we see aspects of the curse being removed. But it says the dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. So this curse on the serpent is still present during the millennial kingdom. Uh, that's just a uh, verse of interest there. I've got a question here. Uh, technically, we only have the bones of dinosaurs with skin and outer stuff. Maybe they look like that. No, I I think if we did find something like this, it would be categorized as a dinosaur. In fact, it would be a dinosaur. Uh, The problem with dinosaurs is when they find dinosaurs, uh, they believe they were millions and billions of years prior to mankind. They were probably present with man before the flood. there's some pretty good evidence that mankind had dinosaurs present after the flood, being that uh, Noah would have brought some of these onto the ark with him. But uh, I mean, just think about it today. Uh, people go bear hunting, people go rhino hunting, but imagine these dinosaurs coming and eating all of their sheep. Uh, they're gonna wanna go get rid of it. They didn't have uh, scientific preservation uh, societies back when. In the time of David or whatnot. In fact, some of the extra-biblical histories, uh, which uh, which we don't use as the inspired word of God, but it's just as reliable as something like Josephus or Herodotus' history. Um, Some of those histories from uh, from Jewish tradition uh, says that David fought a dragon and won over it. Uh, It's probable that those dragons of history were just simply dinosaurs that they fought, uh, or that they. Uh, hunted out into extinction. It's also possible that uh, there are still uh, dinosaurs, which were later called dragons, present on the earth even today. Uh, they've, they had something called a thunderbird down in the south part of America, which uh, was described very much like a pterodactyl. Um, over in Africa, they have some tribes which have come in contact with dinosaurs and were surprised to hear that dinosaurs are extinct and were extinct billions of years ago. Uh, that was quite surprising to them. Things like the Loch Ness monster could be a hope, could be a dinosaur. Um, those are things that shouldn't be crazy in the biblical, in a biblical view. It's only crazy when, uh, when the world's agreed upon scientific facts are, um, are believed against God's scripture. Uh, a good resource for information on that is Dr. Kent Holvind. He has the Creation Institute down in uh, Saturn, Florida. He's got a good DVD on Dinosaurs in the Bible. Uh, I think it's available even on YouTube. Uh, but we do see that a great delusion will be part of the End Times program. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 through 12, uh, we see this as one of the results after the restrainer is removed, which is the Holy Spirit. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence, so that they will believe what is false, in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Um, so again, we've we've got another uh, preview coming here, and keep in mind these are not things I believe to be true, but uh, things that I think Satan is using either to desensitize us against Scripture or Uh, possibly even uh, trying to uh, make mankind sensitive to uh, what he will use as his great delusion in the last days. So keep in mind also in this next preview of who they are saying deserves some sort of worship or reverence. Uh, So we'll play that now. What we are witnessing here is the return these things are there 17 and counting that must go <laughs> Skidora, we stop them all. Is there another creature that might stand a chance against him? Okay, so we know that uh, Satan will present himself as an angel of light. His purpose during the election is to garner as much worship towards himself. He will likely come presenting himself to be the savior, uh, to be the savior of this earth. Uh, And we know that God has revealed himself in scripture. Satan most likely revealed himself through uh, the systems such as today, Hollywood. Uh, So we had another question here. Right. I can't watch Miser TV anymore, honestly. The demonic veil has been lifted from me. Yeah, I I think uh, Satan is working very hard to prepare the earth to worship him during during this last period of of history. Uh, All right. So Ecclesiastes, again, tells us that nothing is new under the sun. Uh, One possible reading of this is uh, that man's honestly not even that creative. Uh, Satan is not creative in that he seems to continually use the same tactics again and then, which is self-worship of himself and also telling his subjects to worship themselves. Uh, But we're also not that creative in that we really come up with anything of our own. We just distort what God has already created uh, so I, I would find it very unlikely that man has come up with his mythology and his lore all from his own imagination. Uh, even if it's just to describe naturalistic processes, uh, I find it strange that he would uh, move towards these mythological creatures without having some sort of precedent for it. Uh, in Second Kings, we see that God... Uh, or the spiritual forces are often not visible in Six, uh, we read that now when the attendant of the man god had risen early and gone out to behold an army with horses and chariots was circling the city now this is back in the time of uh i think it was king ahab uh where israel is going uh to war against i uh, can't remember who they were going to war against But Elisha is the prophet at this time, and he has an attendant here who is worried because the opposing army has far more men than they have. But Elisha says, uh, when his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, I pray Open his eyes that he may see, and the Lord opened the son's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So the spiritual forces around us are God's heavenly armies. We often not see, but the Bible presents it to us as a very real, realistic reality um, that they are um, able to be seen. They are that present. Um, yet, Lord. Uh, Does not often reveal it to our eyes. But these spiritual uh, forces are not bound to our physical nature. So that we can all apply that to uh, the demonic forces. They are not uh, always visible. Just because they are present doesn't mean we will see them. That's very possible here in the Six Trumpets, that they will be a very real. Prove um, physical presence but they may not even be visible. Um, John may be describing some which he is able to see similar to Elisha being able to see these armies, uh, whereas mankind might not actually see what is against them in that last time. So here's another video I think possibly. Sorry. see? Oh what are you looking at? What did you see? Yeah. What is wrong with police coming? I can't stay here. Every contact we've had with the outside has brought us death. Here kids, they deserve hope. Everything. on the trip now is going to be all right so just remember satan knows what tactics and what powers he has in his back um and he is the present power that is in uh ruling over this earth um so we shouldn't be surprised um if he shows his strengths a bit uh in the culture so our last uh, verse is here. I oh, got another question. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, Naomi says, a real left-behind movie would be so much more severe than the ones they made. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think they stopped after three because it wasn't that realistic. Uh, all right. So the response of mankind to these judgments is uh, very telling of the hearts of man during that time. So it says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these eggs did not repent of works of their hands, so as not worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which neither see nor hear or walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immortality, nor of their thefts. So this uh, idols that are neither gold, silver, brass, etc that neither see nor hear nor walk. This is, um, this is uh, quoting from uh, Psalm 115 and 135, uh, where God is telling, uh, telling Israel that the idols that they're creating for themselves have absolutely no power, not even the natural powers of their own physical bodies. They're far weaker than, than mankind because there is nothing behind them. But here uh, we see that uh, it is the equivalent to worshiping demons. Uh, We see that they are worshiping the works of their own hands, uh, which as, or so as not to, worship demons. Uh, So there is a demonic element to these idols which mankind has worshipped for all of history. Uh, And then we see, additionally, they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries, their immortality their immoralities, and their thefts. So what is the work of man's hands? Jeremiah 1.16 says, I will pronounce my judgments on them concerning all their wickedness, whereby they have forsaken me and have uh, offered sacrifice to other gods and worship the works of their own hands. Uh, So this is uh, Jeremiah telling Israel, By the judgment of God is coming against them because they have gone and worshiped other gods. That is the purpose here of our seven Trump judgments as well. Second Corinthians 10 No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. We uh, have also the example of Belshazzar from the book of Daniel chapter 5. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this well. We can think of Romans 2. Even though we know the truth about God, uh, we deny it or we, uh, we look against that speaking of those who do not come to saving faith in Christ. You have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines have been drinking wine from them, and you have raised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, which not see, hear, or understand, but the god in whose hand you are, are whose hand are your life breath, and all your ways you have not glorified, and we know that it is this very night where Babylon was conquered uh, by the Medo-Persians, uh, where that kingdom was destroyed and handed over to the next kingdom. And the last kingdom in succession of the time of the Gentiles will be when the final Roman Empire, the Antichrist himself, will be conquered for this very same reason. And the kingdom of God will uh, commence where he's destroyed all human powers and himself stands as the king over earth. We have the example given to us in Thyatira uh, of uh, the worship of idols. Uh, it says, but I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent and she doesn't want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. Uh, and I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, place no other burden on you, nevertheless, what you have hold fast and to come. So we remember it's the same sun that melts butter, which hardens a brick. Um, so this judgment turning against earth will melt the hearts of some, but harden the hearts of others. Uh, And what are they specifically not repenting? They're not repenting of their immoralities. And one of these immoralities that they're involved with are the deep things of Satan. Uh, That would be occultism uh, very overtly. These sorceries, which are talked about in this verse, uh, comes from the Greek word pharmakon, where we get our pharmacy. Uh, Pharmacy, of course, has very little occultic about it. But uh, back in the first century, these pharmakon were used for magic potions, for charms, for drugs, or medicines. It probably correlates to what we use today for hallucinogenic drugs um, or drugs which alter our mind. That's probably what is in view here um, in Chapter 9 of Revelation. Uh, And finally, we have our example of former walk. So this is um, the walk of... uh, of ourselves prior to uh, repentance leading to faith. In Ephesians 4, we read So, this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greetings. All right, so we have now completed uh, the first six seals, and the seventh seal is the So the bold don't begin until chapter 16, and we're only in chapter 9. So we've got quite a bit of interlude between now and then. Um, so we're going to take a look at Revelation chapter 10 this time, which is our first of uh, three interludes uh, before the bold judgments begin. So our sixth trumpet can be summarized. A demonic arm will be loosed from the Euphrates. This wave of demonic pandemic will cause the death of one-third of mankind. At this time, the population will plummet well below half of those who were alive at the beginning of the tribulation. These demonic beasts are also like part of the lore of Earth their appearance will usher in the midpoint of the tribulation. Some more reading. final album, when it comes out, by Ryan Pitterson. Uh, Lambs to the Slaughter, by Donna Michelson. Uh, Dregs or Dinosaurs, by Derek Isaacson. Alien Intrusion, by Gary Bates. And Blurry Creatures Podcast, um, which is um, episode 18 was an interview with Ryan Pitterson. All right. So how's our time? Eight o'clock.